start with understanding the audiences, start with understanding what the objective is and be patient. Hi, I'm Nils Vigna, and you're listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast, a show dedicated to demystifying leadership development one conversation at a time. Each week, I sit down with leaders in the B2B space to discuss their journey and what they've learned along the way. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous, and the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard, you just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the B2B Leadership Podcast. My name is Nils Vigna, and today my guest is Court Irish. Court, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited too. Court, before we get started and really dig into your background and all things leadership, would you please share with me and our audience the role that you're in today and the company that you work for? Absolutely. Again, my name is Court Irish. I am the Vice President of Marketing and Communications uh, at Claritas. Cool. And tell us a little bit about Claritas. What do you guys do? Claritas is a uh, data-driven marketing organization. We help brands and agencies, media publishers, essentially help them identify the best audiences for them to reach for their marketing campaigns. We also help them activate those campaigns across multiple channels uh, for campaign execution. And then finally, we help them measure the impact that those campaigns have on driving conversions or, or whatever the KPIs might be for that specific organization. Okay. So, and the finding the best audiences is an interesting piece. And there are a lot of parallels to leadership and things. Can you tell us a little bit about what the best audience means to you and Claire Toss and ultimately your customers? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it all starts with data. From our perspective in our world, you know, our best customers, I had mentioned categories uh, early on, but, you know, brands that are looking to better understand their own, not only their own customers, but their ideal prospects, right? And so a lot of companies, most companies these days have a CRM. They've got their own database of customers. They may have a lot of great information on their customers. They may have very little information on their customers. But I think that every brand is, is interested in just knowing more about their customers. So that's one area that we help out with. And, you know, obviously consumers are all across the board, depending on the brand that we work with. But it's really helped them better understand their best customers. But then at the end of the day, they also want to go out and they want to find more customers that look just like them, more prospects, you know. And so we help brands in both capacities. Um, it generally starts with the data. It starts with making sure you have a complete understanding of who your best customers are today from a demographic standpoint, from a behavioral standpoint, from a device usage standpoint. Where do they go to do their research on XYZ product or service? Where do they engage in terms of how they buy? You know, is it online? Is it in store? Is it a combination of both? We really help them kind of understand all of that so they can um, better develop their marketing strategies and product strategies. And so are you doing the actual research to gather this? Are you, do you have proprietary data sources or data you've accumulated over years and years that kind of your clients get access to? Tell me a little bit about where the data comes from. It, it's kind of all the above. Claritas started nearly 50 years ago. And really our, 
our company's history is founded in audience identification and just having an abundance of insights on consumers that you know we collect, obviously, abiding by all privacy and compliance uh, regulations. And so we have thousands of insights that uh, we have on consumers. We literally have insights on every household in the United States. All of that data plays a role, but a lot of it also comes from the client. And so we work directly with clients on a close basis to really truly understand you know, who it is that they're trying to reach, what products or services they're going to market with. In their minds, what would make up the ideal audience for them? And so a combination of our data and our insights combined with the data that they've got in their CRM, it's kind of blended together uh, to kind of refine that profile of the audiences and the households that make the most sense. Awesome. And I've had several other marketing executives on the show as well. And uh, it's always fascinating looking at the parallels between marketing and leadership. And it starts with understanding your audience, right? If you know 100%. who it is that's on the other end or who ultimately is going to resonate best with your message, that can give you a clear clear path to success. Is that is that right? Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, at the end of the day, it really is about us understanding our clients as people and their businesses. It starts there. Yes, we have all this data on every U.S. household. That's all well and good. But at the end of the day, you have to know, you know, your customer, which in this case is our clients. You know, what are the things that they're interested in? I'd mentioned KPIs early on. What are the things that, how are they defining success? That's really something that we dig into, even before we start looking at the type of consumers that those brands are trying to reach. We need to understand and we want to understand them. But then, you know, we, we pride ourselves on being great long-term partners, which essentially for us, that means you know, we're successful if they're successful. And so that is really at the foundation of, of our client relationships. And then obviously it gets into you know, how do we help them with our marketing campaigns. Forward. Yep. Awesome. Okay. Great primer for our conversation. Now, I do want to take a little trip down memory lane here and ask you about how did you get into your first leadership position? Uh, geez, we're gonna. I'm gonna date myself here, but <laughs> it's been over 20 years. I'll leave it at that. I actually started in the marketing industry on the advertising agency side, so I got the opportunity to work at. Publicis, Starcom Media Vest specifically, which was the, and is, sorry, the media buying arm of Publicis. So I got an opportunity there on the media side as a media planner and a media buyer and got a great opportunity to work on some of the biggest brands in the world. My first uh, couple brands that I worked on including, included brands like Denny's Restaurants, Kraft Foods, Procter & Gamble. So just those three alone, I got some tremendous experience and not only local sort of grassroots campaigns, but also the large, big national media campaigns and gained a lot of knowledge through that process. And as I did that, one of the great things about Starcom and how they bring in new people and onboard new people is they like to rotate teams to different accounts, you know, in a very short period of time. So just when you think you've got all the knowledge you need on a certain account, they rotate you on to a new team. So not only a new account, but a new team. And, and that, I would say, is probably one of the best things that's happened to me as it relates to, if I look back now on my leadership skills, being able to quickly adapt to new people that you get to work with on a team, new personalities, new things that they're good at, you know, strengths that they have that maybe I don't have, strengths that I have that maybe they don't have. Those are all things that have really, really helped me in my leadership over time. And at that time, within a couple of years, I was able to elevate into a position of leadership. And I had a couple of people working with me uh, where a lot of that came into play. And so I think just kind of picking up some of those personality traits from others 
learning how to manage a team is, is really where that sort of foundation was laid. I also think that at that time, we didn't have, as big as Starcom is, we didn't have huge numbers of people on our team, which at the end of the day, what that meant is all of us get to roll up our sleeves and do a lot of work. You know, there wasn't a lot of delegation at the time, if you will. And I think that also helped me tremendously to understand, you know, when you're delegating or you're passing things off to people, understand what type of work you're doing. And so I think you're in a better position to manage if you truly understand the work that somebody's doing. It sounds obvious, but there are a lot of leaders, I think, you know, in various industries that maybe don't have sort of that that ground up experience, if that makes sense. And I, and I think that's helped me personally. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. And want to get your get your take on that a little bit more, because there are going to be lots of situations where you have an opportunity to do the work and then rise up through the ranks and then manage the team that's doing the work that you used to do. And then there might be some opportunities where either you enter a new organization or you enter a completely different team in a completely different account, completely different setup where you've never actually done the work. In both of those situations, like what do you think is at the core of what you've been able to do that helped you to be successful, regardless of whether or not you did the work itself? As far as the ability to do the work or getting in and do the work? The, that- the lead, lead the team that does the work. So, if, you know, scenario one is you were an individual contributor level doing the work and then you rose up and you now manage team doing the same work you used to do. So you have deep expertise and kind of really know in the moment what it's like. Scenario two is you come into a team, an organization, a different group, and you are leading a team, but you've never done the work on the front lines. So what do you think is required in either of those situations to really be successful? Well, I, I, I think in either one of those situations, you, you need to understand what the work requires. And I know that that sounds very obvious, but you know, as an example, um, I'll use an example from, my, from my, Denny, my Denny's days. Very little national media buys, a lot of very local buys, right? Okay. And so what that required of me at the time was to really roll my sleeves up and essentially do a deep analysis on every single zip code that Denny's had a restaurant and try to append the number of people that lived in those zip codes. As you can imagine, just by the sound of that, that's a very, 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 very tedious project. Mind-numbing, one would argue. But one that was required to be able to actually develop the strategies that Denny's needed. All fine and good. As somebody who leads a team that I'm delegating that project to, I think the understanding of what's required in that, the amount of time that it takes to do that, maybe the level of stress and frustration that may happen at times when you're doing that for 320 different zip codes, as one individual trying to do all that, it's a lot. And so I think, you know, from somebody that would lead an individual who you delegated that to, really understanding that I think is key so that you can help them along the way. Because there are times where they may hit a wall. There's also the importance of, of adding additional projects to somebody like that's plate just to make sure you're not driving them out of the company. That's the type of project that some people may say, you know what, this is not for me. I'm new to this industry. I just left college. If this is all I'm going to do, I'm out, right? At the end of the day, nobody wants that to happen. So I think making sure that there's a balance of projects that an individual like that could do really requires the leader to be able to delegate that, see it first off, understand it, and be able to give them that balance to keep them interested and passionate about what they're doing. It's a great point that, and you made mention of the fact that to be aware 
of what the work takes, even if you personally haven't done the work, right? To be aware and to have empathy for what it's going to be like going to go through that work product of doing all that research in those Denny's uh, zip codes. That's a lot of zip codes. and That's a lot of grunt manual work. And then instead of saying, well, just build the strategy for Denny's, right? Which I imagine has happened from time to time where somebody dictated that. You might have even heard that at one point in time, right? To really understanding what it means to build the strategy. What are all the building blocks? What are all the projects? And what are all the individual things to do? That level of understanding is completely different from in what I'm getting from you in that scenario. Is that right? That's 100% right. Absolutely right. Yeah. 100% right. Yeah. You know, there, there's, a, there's a great leadership mentoring opportunity throughout both of those scenarios that I think you have with people to show them what the work is going to produce, you know, and that's one thing that especially maybe in bigger companies that are very siloed, you work on one aspect of a project, you may not see what at the end of the day that project yields, right? And I think it's always important as much as you possibly can to share with everybody, look, this work to you may seem minuscule. It may not seem that this will ever move the needle, but at the end of the day, this is what this work is going to allow this brand to do. And for the overall marketing strategy that we put into place, this is how critical this is. This piece that you may not think is important, this is a building block. This is a critical foundation to everything that we're going to be doing to this for this campaign. And so I think it's important to share that so that people feel fully invested in the project, even if the work itself is one that is is to use a very nice term, tedious, right? <laughs> yes. You know, I, I think that's 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 an opportunity for a leader. My leaders at the time shared that with me because I was that person who maybe might have hit a wall very quickly. Thankfully, I didn't, but I think it was because of the leadership that I had with people who shared that with me and helped me along. Okay, that's powerful because that one act of drawing the connection between the work that you're doing, even if it's, especially if it's tedious, and the overall greater impact to either the project, the team, the company, the client, the whatever the end result is, that one act and something as simple as, you know, a conversation and reinforcement over time completely changed the trajectory of what could have been a very different outcome for you. 100%. Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, I might not have been in this industry much longer than two years, you know, and I, I look back and even though it was, I'll just keep saying plus 20 years, you know, it was probably those instances that happened to me at Starcom that kept me in the industry. I'm in a different side of the industry, but I can tell you right now that we do work with a lot of agencies. And so that background, I think, helps in understanding, as we talked about earlier, understanding the audiences, know who you're talking to and working with. I think that plays a vital role. I, I will say that, you know, in the scenario that you had brought up about, you know, somebody entering a new company that may not have done the work, at least in our industry, and I'm guessing with most industries out there, our industry changes on a daily basis. You know, if you if you look at the digital ecosystem, so even if you have not done the work, if you're in the industry, I think I think you must make sure that you're up to speed on everything new that's happening, whether or not you are joining a new company or, or elevating within a current one. Your constant learning, I think, is a requirement in order for you to succeed at all levels, whether you're a leader, whether you're somebody just starting tomorrow. I think you always need to have that continuous learning in both scenarios, at least in our industry. We'll get back to the interview in just a minute. This episode is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. 
the cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. The B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. Head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you've always wanted to be. Now let's get back to the interview. Who is responsible for that staying on top of the industry and what's going on? Is that the responsibility of the individual? Is that responsibility of the company? Is it shared between both of them? Do one of them have a bigger piece of it than another? Who's really responsible? I think it's both. I think the company needs to make sure that they foster an environment, whether they set up programs, whether they have subscriptions to you know, key industry outlets, whether they do continuous learning programs of some kind. You know, I, I think companies definitely have a stake in that. And I think they need to support that in as many ways as they can. At the end of the day, though, it's up to me and you and the people that are doing the work and employed by the company to take it upon themselves to learn it and understand it, right? It's it's the leading the horse to water scenario, right? Our company can put out, you know, a, a monthly podcast or a biweekly internal, you know, webinar where we share newest industry insights. But if if the staff doesn't attend those, there's not a whole lot that you can do, right? And so I think it's a combination of both. I think team leaders need to make sure that they reinforce that this is critical, that you continue to learn and help in that regard. Meaning, you know, if I see an article through my newsfeed today, I'll share that with my team just as an FYI. I live in the world of marketing. We run the marketing department here. And so we're doing that anyways, because we use it for our own marketing efforts. But if we weren't, that's still something that we would probably do, because I think it's really important. Our clients are in the media on a regular basis. Privacy and compliance issues continue to flood the media. And the digital ecosystem, as we talked about, changes daily. So if you walk away for a month and come back, my guess is you're probably going to miss some things that are critical to the day-to-day jobs that you're doing. So I think it's a combination of everybody's responsibility to stay on top. But I think it can be done easily, especially these days, to stay on top of things. You know, I like that you called out that we all have responsibility here. And and the company's is different than the individual. 100% agree. You know, the company provides the environment, provides access to whatever resources are available internally, externally, all that good stuff. But the company's not going to do everything for the individual, right? And this is an age-old classic thing. Well, you know, I'm here working for this company, so they should pay for everything I need to be up to speed in the industry. When the reality is, actually, they're buying your time for a period of time that you work together, and you're responsible for being up to speed on everything in the industry. Your company's not really responsible. So I'm curious for your thoughts on when we get to the money part of this, and this often was where investment comes in, there can oftentimes, especially from a leadership perspective, whether it's coaching or training or something else, right, be investments that need to be made. And there can be, a has certainly in the past, and I've done it myself long ago as well, you know, a preference to wait for the company to invest in before I, the individual, does it. I'm curious for your take on whose responsibility that investment actually is when it comes to staying on top, you know, being at the top of your game, contributing more value, et cetera. I, I think it's on the individual. I, I really do. I mean, I, I, I think the company needs to provide the support but I think it's on the individual to make that investment. I think it's on the individual and I think it's on the individual's team leaders. Um, 
because at the end of the day, I think the leaders need to make sure that they're fostering that environment and supporting their team in that way. And, and from my experience uh, at a few different companies, I've never run into a situation where the company has said, nope, court, you can't provide that to your team. It's a million dollar investment, different stories, different story. but that's really yeah. the case, right? I mean, you've got <laughs> how many media outlets there today that you can go to on an hourly basis to get the type of insights that we're talking about here, the things that make you better. Now, there are some training programs and onboarding programs that the company's initiated, you know, but even those, the implementation of those is up to the individuals, meaning the team leaders are the ones that collaborate and put together the training program. The sales team has their training program. I have my own for my team. So at the end of the day, it does still fall to the individual. And I think that that's that's the right thing. I mean, because you can't force anybody to do it. Um, and at the end of the day, if you're not on top of your game, in this job market, there are a lot of people out there that are looking for positions, right? The company provides you the platform. The sales teams allow you to you know, take part and they give you the time you need to be able to take part in those ongoing education sessions. So I think the individual needs to take advantage of that. Yeah. And I agree a hundred percent. And the saying on this that I've been championing for a long time and to, had to discover in a very painful way myself is that every individual is the CEO of his or her career, which sounds very much in line with what you're saying, right? You're in charge. There are ample opportunity. I mean, you can get access literally to a world-class expert in virtually any discipline at almost any point in time with a swipe of a credit card. That's really not that hard, right? And, and that's what I'm just, uh, one, absolutely fascinated by in the state that we live in today, because I remember back in times when that didn't exist and there was only, the only choices was to go to grad school, which I did do and was very beneficial, right? Or, or uh, you know, go through some gigantic training thing that the company spent millions of dollars on, right? And there really wasn't that much else out there that was really clear cut and specific to niches and industries and whatever it is that you're going through. Right. And that's what I absolutely love about where we are today. And I think it's on the in the hands of leaders now to continuously push themselves, whether you're a team lead level, whether you're a director level, whether you're VP level, whatever it is, to continuously push yourself and to be responsible for that investment. It's not your company's responsibility. It's yours. Exactly right. Yeah. And, and I would say in addition to the stuff that's available outside of company walls, I would also say start looking internally first. And what I mean by that is it's not even necessarily, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be, you know, the big investment in the million, you know, million dollar sales training program. While that's good, you know, I'll take our company as an example, and, and I'm sure we're not unique in this in this regard. We have an abundance of thought leadership materials at our company. And if you look at marketers today across any category, thought leadership really is the focus for most, right? When you think about blogs, you think about what you and I are doing here as it relates to a podcast, fireside chats, um, all kinds of thought leadership reports, insight sheets, infographics. We have, an, we have a library of those internally that we use for our own marketing campaigns. We also use them for client communications. And so a salesperson, an account person, a accounting person, doesn't need to go much further than just go into our internal server to find all of those insights that we were just talking about. They're all available outside the walls. They're all available probably in your inbox if you looked right now, you know, and so trying to make it very easy, you know, for somebody to grab and get updates on something new in our space. It's simple nowadays. It's simpler than it ever has, to your point. 
That's a great point. That, yeah, that's phenomenal and, and excellent that we don't even have to go outside of our organizations. No, nope. <laughs> no, we'll send it to you. You just have no, to no, open the email. It literally couldn't be easier. Wait, <laughs> exactly. And you've got to click and then you consume and you learn. Yeah. And you know. That's it. Follow, That's it. follow your own company on Twitter. You'll get all the information. Well, you need. I mean, and that is something, you know, I used to run CS or customer success organizations in the past. And some of our greatest source of enablement and just education period I just pulled everything from our marketing team because they were talking about all the pain points that our customers went through, all the strategies that we had at a high level to get customers interested. I mean, they were talking to obviously prospects, but we had to figure out ways to re-engage customers that stopped engaging with us. And guess what? We had to use marketing tactics to do that. And it was like, here's the blueprint for this. And when I would bring this to the team, they were kind of like blown away a few times. And I remember having that kind of look like, guys, this is inside the company. It's like literally right on this on this location in our internal resources. That's it. They've already done the hard work. We don't have to try to figure this out again. So sometimes it can be as easy as that, right? Yeah, simple. Yeah, <laughs> simple. And, 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 you know, I would even go so far as to say, and, and we've, we've said this too internally, it doesn't have to be overwhelming. Take, take 30 minutes a week, right? Take 30 minutes a week to do nothing but just get up up to speed on new insights for you know what whatever's on your plate that week maybe you're maybe you're working with a client who's trying to better understand their audiences maybe you're maybe you're trying to understand you know podcast measurement and attribution solutions better and the advancements in technology there i don't know whatever it is take 30 minutes that week set aside your work and just do that research whether it's internal or external and it doesn't have to be complicated but something that's simple it doesn't sound like much, but it could it could make or break that week for you, you know. And and I think that's a place to start. And we try to foster that type of environment too. Not only in my team, but our sales teams and everybody at Claritas, they encourage their teams to go out and do stuff like that. That's wonderful, and I love that you call out the thirty minutes a week because that's often where people get hung up. We make it too complicated. We make it too big. I don't have time to do industry research. <laughs> the reality is, everybody has thirty minutes, and if you don't have thirty minutes, uh, come work with me. I can show you. You got thirty minutes. Like, <laughs> not a problem. <laughs> I can yeah, find yeah. thirty minutes with you, um, and it's <laughs> also the same amount of time that I happen to recommend to everybody who's in my leadership program called the B two B Leaders Academy. And I say for the exact same reason. I say I have the of leadership tools here, spend 30 minutes a week learning one new tool and then just integrate it into your day-to-day life. That's as complicated as it needs to be. And I love that you champion the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely feel like oftentimes all of us overcomplicate things when they don't need to be complicated. It's, it's fairly simple. It's just, yeah. well, there's, it's always comes down to one insight, one aha, one huh, I didn't look at, I hadn't thought about it that way. That then changes a little bit of the mindset in the next meeting you're in, whether it's a one-on-one or a client meeting or meeting with your boss or presentation to a conference, just has that much edge different. And if you're doing that every single week, you're turning over your entire leadership in my case, or you know, industry knowledge in, in the case we we're talking about with Claritas, you're turning that entirely over like every month. And that is forever improvement. Yeah. And by the way, you easily make yourself look like a, if you're client facing, you can make yourself look like a star. Give them that aha that they never thought about. Because last time I checked, my industry, all industries are pretty competitive these days, right? And so if you can stand out just by throwing out one insight your client might be interested in, it might separate you from somebody else that they're looking at to take the business. So 
That's yeah. right. And, and, you know, one of my uh, mentors used to love the, to use the line that to the fourth grader, the fifth grader is a genius. And what he was saying essentially was that the difference, marginal difference between the people that you look up towards and, you know, take advice and kind of guidance from may just be, in fact, one step ahead of you, just a tiny piece, but they're able to give you that insight that you didn't have on your own. And that's, I think, at the core of what we're talking about here. Like, you can't come up with this all on your own. Don't try. It's already been done, and it's in varying formats, <laughs> probably inside your company and definitely outside your company, too, that's there just to, you know, be the fifth grader and, you know, show up in a different way. All right, Court. Uh, last question here. Awesome conversation. Loving this discussion. Last question about taking a trip back in time to the early days, 20 plus, we'll leave it at the 20 plus years ago, right? Um, let's say you uh, know everything you know today, your entire career, industry experience, all the good stuff in your role, everything. And you can sit down with your younger self at that early stage at Starcom and have a conversation. What advice would you share with your younger self? Oh boy. Wow. What advice would I share with myself? Man, you're putting me on the spot here. That's my job. That is your job. I know. I get it. <laughs> I would probably share, be patient and really, really know the audiences as a first step. And I think as much as we've talked about it on this call, I, I would say that was probably one of the things that, you know, I, I didn't focus on as much in the early days. I think, you know, got caught up in the, we're doing the big media buy and let's buy all this over there without really understanding as much detail on the audience as we were trying to reach as I should have or what the measurable outcome needed to be from a KPI standpoint. I think those are the two pieces that I think now today they're obvious to me, right? They're the two places that you start. But at the time, I think you get so laser focused on head down, get the job done. You don't take a step back to think about, okay, what is it that we're truly trying to accomplish here? How do I need to approach this project with those two things in mind, right? And I think that's probably the one thing I would tell myself going back to those days. I had the opportunity to work at an uh, organization called Battle, um, which you might be you're familiar with, but they make a lot of the mouth guards that you see in the NFL and college football and now some other products. But that was a brand that now is on the map. Uh, I was fortunate to be at that company for a while when that happened. We didn't have marketing dollars to spend. We had like literally like nothing, right? And so everything that we had to do was grassroots, meaning we had to literally fly to a high school or a football event somewhere in the country and set up a table off the field and try to talk about our mouth guards on the side of the field. Like we were trying to compete against Under Armour and Nike and some of these other guys, and this is what we were doing. But I got to tell you, it was the best thing that the brand ever did because we got to know the football players at the high school and youth and college and pro levels at a much, much more granular detail and level than anybody else because of that experience. Those are things that, you know, had I not been at battle, I may not have gotten that experience, but it's one of those things even today where maybe we're not doing that type of thing as much anymore. It's still front of mind. That is the first thing that needs to happen. You need to understand the audiences, not only the client, but also the consumer and everything else kind of falls in place from there. But it really has to be where it starts. But going back to your question, I think that would probably be the, the thing I would tell myself. Start with understanding the audiences, start with understanding what the objective is and be patient. Mm, be patient. Uh, yeah. Be patient and use your use your team. 
Use your team. I mean, and, and that's probably another thing now that I think about it. I think when you get out of college, when you start your entry level jobs, I think everybody wants to try to try to make their own mark. They want to be the best, you know, they want to keep elevating. But I and I think sometimes when you do that, there's a hesitancy to reach out to ask for help. Don't. You know, I, I think that's the one thing that, you know, nobody's ever going to hurt you for that. I think teamwork, being able to work with a team, whether you're working with a team, whether you're managing a team, to be able to say you don't have an answer, but you know where to go to get the answer. That's the thing that will continue to elevate you and your company before anything else. I mean, at the end of the day, we want project A to get over the finish line, whatever that takes. And if that means you have to turn to another expert because they have knowledge you don't, that's not a bad thing. That's a, I mean, that's a compliment. That's a positive thing, not only from a employee standpoint, but from a leadership standpoint. So that would probably actually be the first thing I would tell myself. Love I go it. back three years ago. Cool. Use a team. Know your audience. Know what the measurement. We gave you three answers there. Three? And kind of backed into a couple. So it's okay. Hey, that's all good. It, it it's it was the right advice in the end. And you know, imagine being at that stage and knowing that advice and. You know, again, one aha, one insight, one nugget, just like we're talking about from spending 30 minutes a week improving yourself, like can completely change the trajectory of lots of things. So that's why I love asking that question, especially at the end of our, our discussion here. Well, Court, it's been absolutely fantastic. Spend some time talking leadership with you today. Thank you so much for sharing your stories, expertise, your wisdom. Uh, really appreciate it. Can't wait to see all the wonderful things that you and the Claritas team are doing. But take care and I'll talk to you soon. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd welcome you to subscribe and give the show a five-star review. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at b2bleadershippodcast.com. As always, I'm Nils Vinya, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Take care and have a great rest of your day. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. And the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be.